Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I read uh, when I was, I think in high school, maybe some books about him. So that was cool. Well, I guess I scared my son and niece and nephew away. So uh, hope I don't scare the rest of you soon. But uh, <laughs> it's good to be with you all. Thanks for arranging the snowy welcome for us so that we knew that we were in Michigan this morning. I was joking with my wife because we, I checked all the weather before we came and said, there's no snow in Indiana or Michigan or Ohio, and so we were all clear. And then uh, it snowed every spot we've been so far. I so <laughs> guess uh, we should always assume the, the snow is coming. So, well, one thing, um, as I was thinking about uh, the start of the year and thinking through things that might be helpful to discuss, actually, at our church, we've been uh, working through the topic of spiritual disciplines or habits of grace. And uh, I noticed you all have the book out there, Habits of Grace by David Mathis. And my brother mentioned that um, maybe a couple years ago you went, went through that topic and talked about it a little bit. Uh, but it's helpful, I feel like, for me every year to kind of think through why. Why we do these things. Why do we uh, uh, spend time reading our Bible? Why do we spend time in prayer and those kinds of things and our walk with God? And as I was thinking about that, um, I came across some statistics about the new year, and I don't know how you all feel about New Year's resolutions. I feel like everyone has mixed emotions about them, if not just negative feelings toward them. Um, but I came across this article that was talking about New Year's resolutions, and it said that the number one resolution that people make is to exercise more. And third and fourth um, are weight loss and healthier eating. So health is a really big New Year's resolution. But ironically, as you think about, I'm sure if you've ever joined a gym, you've noticed this, especially if you joined toward the beginning of the year or if you consistently go and you watched the traffic in a, a gym, uh, in January, 4% of the new members that join at the beginning of the year quit. In, uh, by the end of February, it's 14%. And at the end of five months, 80% of the people who join the gym at the beginning of the year have quit their membership. Um, that doesn't mean they stopped attending five months later. They probably just, you know, didn't go and gave up on, on actually uh, finishing that up. But as I was thinking about that, I thought it was a pretty good picture uh, for us and how we can think spiritually about things. Um, we can, at the beginning of the year, perhaps at certain times, think, okay, I'm going to be committed to the Lord. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do the things that I know I should be doing, reading my Bible. I'm going to sp spend time... Um, with other believers and encourage them and then over time we just sort of fade in that and then maybe we get really encouraged by uh, something from scripture and we, we get going again but we tend to fade and um, I think something that's helpful for us to think about is what's the motivation for it? Why do we spend time in God's Word? And, and that helps us too in seasons of life where we don't spend as much time maybe in reading or prayer like we can't because of all the other things that are going on um, we have a, a new baby in our house, and uh, she is five weeks old as of Thursday, and so we don't sleep as much at our house right now. And so sometimes uh, how much time we spend reading the Bible in a given day is a little less than it was before the baby was born. And hopefully as that progresses, it'll grow again, and uh, we'll be able to spend more focused time in God's Word. But I thought maybe today, I don't want to spend the whole time talking. I checked with Dan, and he said, you guys will talk back. So that's, uh, you have to, uh, I said I would answer yeah. <laughs> right. I don't mean the, the, uh, right. the, the improper talking back. <laughs> um, 
when you apply it to adults, you just kind of assume it means, you know, interaction. Um, but answering questions, so I didn't want to just talk the whole time. I think it's really helpful for us to think through things and, and uh, answer questions. So as we think about the idea of, like, spending time um, in what we might call spiritual disciplines or habits of grace, uh, spending time in God's Word, studying it, reading it, uh, spending time in prayer, encouraging one another, um, a question comes up, and that is, how much are we supposed to work to grow spiritually? Because um, we know there's a lot of scripture that talks about uh, the Holy Spirit working in us. We know that um, God works in our hearts. We talk about that all the time. So then the question is, why do we, why do we say, well, you should read your Bible, or you should spend time with God? Is it really something that we have to put forth effort, or is God just going to do that in our hearts? So the question is, um, do we actually need to work to be able to grow spiritually? And, um, you know, so as you think about that, are there any ideas from Scripture or passages that come to mind, um, things that you think of with that question? Yes? Study the Word so that you can show yourself Yes, study the Word. Um, that's in the pastoral epistles, that we ought to study God's Word to show ourselves approved. So we know we need to be studying God's Word. Now, someone might argue and say, well, that's in the pastoral epistles, so that's for pastors. I would say, it applies more broadly. What about other passages as well? So that's a good one, that, that obviously we need to be studying God's Word so that we can understand it and what it means. Anything else, too, that comes to mind? Yes? man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yeah. So that's a, a key one as well. Um, as we think about God's word, if Jesus said we need God's word in our hearts, it's like bread, it's like food, how often do we typically eat real food? Um, regularly. Regularly. <laughs> if you go a day without eating food, you feel pretty rough. So um, that's, uh, we, we definitely need to be living on God's words. Any other uh, passages that come to mind as you think about that? With... Uh, needing to put God's word in. I'm not... The, the ones you've shared are great. I'm just... Paul talks about running a race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Paul talks about running a race. That's not something that you just... Well, maybe you can get up and just do it, but you'll be really miserable after if you try and do that. So you're preparing. You're, you're working hard. Um, so that's something that we have to do. Any other... Anything else that comes to mind? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Scripture talks a lot about renewing our minds or, or thinking the way that, that God thinks. So that's very, very important. So, yeah. Those are, yes. There's, um, in the Old Testament, probably in Deuteronomy or Something to the effect of place the word of God before you, and, and that's how the traditional Jews put these phylacteries on. Mm -hmm. them, you know, hats and on them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, you put it as a frontlet between your eyes, and so I don't know if you've ever seen someone with a box right at the but top of their head. But I, I'm sure isn't that symbolic, and they made it literal? I think so. I think it would be the idea is that it it ought to be. Scripture uses heart and mind and that kind of thing to talk about where things are supposed to be, but. I mean, God didn't want it to just sit in a box on the front of their head. Yeah. It needed to be inside. So, 
you know, it's, it's very likely the idea is that it's a spiritual thing. It needs to be in your heart. And so we need God's word constantly in our heart. So as you think about that, if you think through the, the verses we talked about, I, I know for me traditionally, I've heard people say, you need to read your Bible and you need to spend time in prayer every day. And those are good guidelines to help you get to that point of, of uh, getting to what those verses say. But that doesn't accomplish what those verses say. Because you could read your Bible every morning, and then you've probably experienced this. Read your Bible at any point in the day, walk to the next thing, and forget what you read, and not actually grow or benefit from it. And so that's an important thing to keep in mind. So... First of all, just a couple of passages that came to mind as well um, with that. I would say, kind of in summary, God gives us grace. He pours it into our hearts, but he expects us to put forth effort. And it's, it's interesting in Scripture how that looks. In some passages, Paul even goes back and forth and he says, I was working, but God was pouring, God was giving grace. And, and it's all due to God's grace. So the key thing in Scripture um, is that God is the one who accomplished the work in us, but he tells us to do something. He tells us to work. And so these are some passages that, that address that. Um, I'll just go in scriptural order. That's what I have written down here. But Romans uh, 15, 17 through 18 talks about Paul's ministry to the people in the churches. And he says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And if that was the only verse, you'd be like, Whoa, what is he, what is he saying? That's not that's not good. He's proud of his work for God. That sounds like exactly what we would tell someone not to give as a testimony in church. Yeah, I'm really proud of all the work I've done for God. You know, we'd say, oh, you need to stop and rethink your testimony there. But he says in verse 18 of Romans 15, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. So he's saying, I'm proud of my work for God, but it's Christ who has worked through me, and that's the only thing that I'm going to talk about. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, um, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, um, this sounds a little bit more humble than the, the first verse that we mentioned, uh, but it says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So he's talking about before he was saved. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. That's kind of what I feel like I'm comfortable with. I think, okay, God's grace is working in him. That's good. But then listen to what he says after that. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So he goes back and forth and he says, I worked really hard, but it's God's grace. And I worked harder than, than anyone else, but... God's grace is what helped me to do this. And so there's this contrast back and forth. Both are true that God is, and in the end, this summary is that God's grace has done it through us, but we are responsible to do these activities, study to show yourself approved, uh, live by the word of God that's our bread daily. Um, in a way, it's, it's a bit like God has given us responsibilities like eating food um, and resting and those patterns that he doesn't force us to do he makes you know he created us so that we get tired at some point but people can push that you can grab a couple of those five-hour energies and get a few more hours out of the day you pay for it at some point 
Um, but God has given us responsibilities in life to um, be eating and to be sleeping and resting. And in the same way, in our, our spiritual walk, he's given us things that we ought to be doing. And I think this one probably is the, the clearest summary in terms of our sanctification. So when we talk about salvation, we say, at salvation, we're justified, we're saved. If we trust in Christ for salvation, we have that position with him. We're a child of God. But over time, God works our salvation out. It's not that we can ever lose that salvation that we have, but God helps us to grow along the way. And that sanctification is what we often call that. And this verse kind of summarizes that in Philippians 2, um, 12 through 13. I feel like this is the one that, that kind of zeroes in on this idea that we are to work but God is the one who works in us um, for, this is written to the church in general. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's the idea of working it out. What are you, you're supposed to be doing something, but then it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are to put in effort to grow spiritually, but God is working in our hearts to make us into the people that he wants us to be. Um, Hebrews 13, um, 21, or actually 20 to 21 says, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So, God is going to work in us, uh, but we are to be putting this effort in to know him better. So, that's kind of the, the impetus that it's like, oh, we're supposed to actually put in effort. So the idea that we, we need to resolve to do something, like perhaps we might think of New Year's resolutions or setting goals. We need to resolve to do something it's very clear that God's grace is necessary to be able to do that. So what are some of the things that we ought to be practicing? Um, what are some things that we ought to do regularly? We can look at these as um, venues of God's grace. Now we need to be careful. There's, uh, there's issues with doctrine that we have to be careful about talking about getting grace from God. If you talk with people about that, just generally, maybe you talk with your neighbors about that. Um, if you have a neighbor who's attended a Catholic church or has been a part of the Catholic church, they're going to say, oh yeah, we do that too. We, we do these, we practice these things and God gives us grace. What they're talking about with grace is actually saving grace. You participate in communion, you participate in um, the different sacraments that they have so that you attain, obtain favor with God and you are in a better position uh, with him in, in relationship to your salvation. When we talk about habits of grace, we're saying this is something that God gives us along the way to help us grow spiritually, to help us walk with him. But that's not for salvation in the sense of are you going to be with God in eternity or not. That's in the sense that God is helping us to grow spiritually, to be closer to him and to know him better. So just wanted to clarify that if you're uh, talking with someone. So what are the things that we ought to be doing? So if, you, if someone comes to you and says, how are you going to grow spiritually? What are the things that you need to do to grow spiritually? What are things that you say, okay, well, that's, that's a key idea, something I need to be doing on a regular basis to be able to grow spiritually? I know that some of you that are even younger would know these things. Everyone 
who's been at church would know these things. Any ideas? Yes? Uh, prayer. Prayer, yes, exactly. We would pray and talk to God. Um, if I went a day, probably my wife would be pretty frustrated me if I, with me if I didn't talk with her for a day. If I went two days, she would probably be getting really uh, wondering what's going on. If I went a week, she might be very, very anxious as to what's going on. Why are we not talking? It's very important that we pray, talk with God. There's not a relationship unless you're speaking. Any other things that come to mind? Yes? Yeah. So church and, and what the things that we do at church, fellowship with believers. Um, now, sometimes we, we say, I went and fellowshiped with my, my friend and we had a good time together. We watched uh, the Super Bowl together. And uh, that's, that's good. Nothing wrong with watching the Super Bowl together. That's a fun activity. But it's not exactly fellowship. It's not really fellowship if we don't encourage one another spiritually. That's not to say you can't go to a Super Bowl party and not talk about what you're reading in your Bible that week. That's, that's okay. That's fine. But just as we think about fellowship, remember what the, the difference is. So fellowship with believers... Um, spending time in church, the practices that we do at church, worshiping the Lord, uh, listening to His Word, that kind of thing. Anything else that might come to mind? Yes, Kip? Um, I think also meditating on the scriptures and actually living it out. Mm-hmm. Not only, you know, when we are with believers, but also, you know, Paul talks about us being, you know, an example outside of, mm-hmm. you know, being with believers. Because, you know, you might make an impact on somebody else's life, say, at work that Absolutely. So the gospel, we sharing the gospel even, we might think, well, that's just, that's not going to help me. That'll help the person that I'm talking to. But if you think about your spiritual growth, the way that we grow is as we preach the gospel to ourselves, as we think about how the gospel impacts us. So if you think about, if you've ever tried to learn something, you learn it so much better when you teach someone else. You remember it. It's not hard to... Um, like once you've taught somebody, you're so much more likely to remember it. I feel like that when I have opportunities to to teach kids stuff at our church or to teach adults, that as I've studied it, then five weeks later I can remember what I was talking about. And when I sit and listen to a sermon, if I can remember it the next day, I'm doing well. I, you know, if I took notes and and so it's really in teaching. It's very helpful. So sharing the gospel is a wonderful way to help us grow and meditate on. And meditating on God's word, meditating on those truths. Any other? Yes. Picking up on the one this gentleman was saying, um, I remember from uh, seminars that we used to have in this area, and meditating. With, I can't remember the verse, but there's a concept of, of like what a cow does when mm-hmm. it uh, takes food. Is it has more than one stomach and it digests <laughs> it over and over again. So. Using that as an analogy, we should take God's word and meditate on it and study it and think about <coughs> it and memorizing helps too, but all you know, not just you know one time but over and over again kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So we have certain, um, I guess you could say, like supporting activities that we do. So like reading the Bible is going to help us get it into our, our minds. Memorizing scripture will help us get it into our minds. Um, and then we have things that are commanded by scripture. So we're commanded to uh, preach the word in church. So that's a command, and we, we have to do that. We are commanded to meditate on God's word. So there are these things that support it. Reading the Bible is going to help us, but if you think about a thousand years ago when they didn't have the printing press, I heard someone say, you know, do you think people could have followed what the Bible said um, before the printing press? And the answer is yes, they could have, but they didn't have a copy of the scriptures that they could read every day. They would go and listen to it at church and then think about it throughout the week. And I'm very glad that we have so many copies of the scriptures that we can read and, and study on a regular basis, but sometimes I think when we, we have something so much, we can forget the value of what, how precious it would have been back a thousand years ago if someone heard scripture read to them, they would have been just sitting on every word and wanting to think about it and, and thinking about it throughout the week. Um, so I'm not saying don't read your Bible throughout the week. Do that if, if you, um, that's a wonderful practice, but remember that we have to be thinking about it constantly and meditating on it. That's the key that's going to help us to be able to change. And so that's really good to, to keep that in mind that we have to um, be thinking on it over and over like the illustration of the cow or, yeah. I think it's important that we also maintain a good attitude and have a servant's heart. Mm -hmm. One thing we understand from the Lord several times in the Bible, and that's that. Mm -hmm. If you have a servant's heart and you're there for that reason. Yeah. So scripture tells us to serve one another, and that's a way that God gives us grace. I don't know if, uh, probably when you were younger, or perhaps if you're younger, you've heard someone say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, we are encouraged as we share um, things with other people, as we serve other people, God actually blesses us and encourages us. Uh, that's a way that we can grow spiritually, is by serving other people and having that uh, correct attitude. So, that's good. I don't want to cut anybody off. Anything else that popped in your head? Okay, yes. It's so easy to have a, a particular belief or perspective and say, okay, 
here's all the people that believe that, so I'm going to go, I'm going to be with them, and we'll stand together. And, and there's, we ought to stand for truth, of course. We don't, we don't compromise the truth of, of God's word, but we need to love those who differ on those things. And if it's a, a difference like the gospel and believing in Christ, then we would try to draw people to us. If it's a difference that's perhaps political and there, there may or may not be a clear principle from Scripture on, on that exact truth, perhaps, you know, as you generally think, there's maybe a, a way that you would apply biblical principles, but where you don't have to persuade the other person, it's just you, you differ and that's okay, uh, then we, we still love those people and we don't just stay w- over here with our group that we're comfortable with because we agree on everything. We, we like the same sports team. We do all of that stuff. I don't know about everybody else, but I found the challenge with that um, that command to love everyone mm-hmm. extremely daunting because I think about how I love my family, how I love my church family, how I love my friends, and I think well, I love them primarily because I have a close relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so we translate that. I translated that. Oh, that means I have to have a close relationship with mm-hmm. them. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's not that we have to make them our best friend. It's that we have to desire what is best for them and actively pursue that. Mm-hmm. So in the most cases, it's to give them the gospel mm-hmm. and to show them kindness and consideration, it's not necessarily to become their best friend and spend all your time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, yeah, that's, that's very true that we, we think of, well, I need to love everybody. It's got to look the same with every single person. But it can look different. It's still a matter of sacrificing ourselves for them, but it, it may look different in how we treat those people. Yes. Mm-hmm. while loving them. So, sure. like, Jesus would never talk to someone without telling them the truth about mm-hmm. God. And at the same way, we can't just, you know, I mean, everyone's felt intimidated. Like, oh, I know this person believes differently. I'm just going to kind of not really talk about this with them. Sure. Jesus didn't do that. So we have to follow that part of his example. Right. Yeah, I mean, the woman at the well, he loved her and he reached out to her. She would have been an outcast. But he didn't just leave her in her situation and say, you know, it's okay that you're kind of, you've had so many husbands and you can just live your own lifestyle and that's fine. He said, you need to come to the living water. What you're pursuing is not going to satisfy you. How loving would it have been for him to say, you can just keep living this lifestyle that's disappointing you over and over again because it's not what God made you for. That wouldn't have been loving at all. But to say, you need to come out of that and come to the living water, that's the most loving thing that we can do. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be like, yes! I want to follow Jesus. That's going to be great. Some people will reject him. That was very clear from Scripture, but we ought to offer that and encourage them with that. So, I didn't want to just focus on theoretical and say, well, we ought to be doing these things, so go figure out how to do them. We're not going to talk about all those things, but I did want to address one particular um, thing, and that is how we interact with Scripture. So, how how do we spend time in God's Word? What does that look like, and how can we grow? And I think 2 Corinthians 3.18 is um, a very helpful uh, picture for us of how we can do that and, and spend time in Scripture. And this, this doesn't just address Scripture. Um, it, it talks about our relationship 
with God. Um, but uh, Paul is talking to the people about the hope that they have and the difference. He uses the illustration a few verses before of, of Moses, how he would go and spend time in communion with God, and then he would come away and his face would be shining. And he uses that picture, and he t- he's talking to believers, and it talks about how God's Spirit works in us. So there's a picture here that it's not just us alone reading a book. We're not just there looking at God's Word, but God's Spirit is working in us. And this is what he says. He says, We all, in verse 18, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we spend time learning about God, whether that's through reading the Bible, whether that's through memorization and meditation on the truths of Scripture, um, whether we are listening to a sermon or perhaps a podcast that's uh, talking about scriptural truths or reading a book that talks about what's in the Bible, this is the picture that we ought to get. As we think about God, it's we have an unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord and we're transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. So when we go to scripture, we ought not come with the idea that we'll go and look at it and come away and nothing will be different. So, does that sound like any passages you all are familiar with? When you walk, walk toward it, you look at it, and then you come away and nothing changed. There's the passage in James that talks about the person who's not a doer of the word, who, who looks in a mirror and sees what he's like, and then walks away and nothing changes. So, then I have a question. If God's word is supposed to transform us, when, let's say, when Q goes and reads his Bible. Q's my brother-in-law, so I'm going to pick on him. <laughs> so when Q goes and reads his Bible, and he comes back, and my sister Liz is talking with him, she's going to see, like, a difference. Something changed, and it's just going to be so obvious. Is that, is that what we're talking about? Is that going to be, every time he goes and reads his Bible, there's something new she's going to recognize? Not, probably not. That's not, well, it doesn't mean outwardly we're going to see something different, but it's that something in our thinking changes. And so, as we go to Scripture and we look uh, for what God has to teach us, we wouldn't necessarily expect that every time we read God's Word, there's going to be an action that changes on the outside. So, um, you know, my wife uh, asks me to make sure when I use a dish that I put it in the dishwasher. So the best way to love her is not to set it in the sink, not even to rinse it off and put it in the sink, but it's to make sure that it ends up in the dishwasher so that when she comes through the kitchen, the sink is clear, and that will give her joy. Yeah, and obviously there are other things that are more fulfilling joy. That's fine. But that's how I love my wife, is by making sure the dish gets in the dishwasher. So if I've been struggling with that recently and haven't been doing that, haven't been loving her in that way, as soon as I read my Bible and go to the kitchen, that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to notice that and make sure that I love her in that way. But if I'm reading about God and who he is and the love that he's shown for me in the gospel and in saving me, then perhaps when I'm finished with a dish, I'm going to think about that the next time and think, well, God has demonstrated great love for me. How can I love the people around me instead of just focusing on the next thing that I need to do and the thing that I want to get done? I might say, well, how can I love the people around me? Or perhaps I see a pair of shoes laying in the middle of the walkway and I 
I move that out of the way. Or maybe um, one of my children does something they're not supposed to. And instead of getting upset and saying, what were you thinking? I can't believe you, you would do that. I can say, you know, hey, do you think that that is the way that you ought to, to love the people around you based on what God has told you? So I'm going to think differently about the way that I treat my children, I treat my wife, I treat the people and friends at church. I might, instead of thinking, when I, when I come to church, I, I struggle with this, I'm like, okay, I need to do this thing, I need to see that person, I need to do that thing, about the list of things that I need to do, I might think, look around and see, oh, this person looks like they're, they have a weight on them at the moment. There's, there's something heavy going on in their life. I'm going to stop and, and ask them what's going on or how, how I can pray for them. So God's Word, the transformation is a change in our thinking over time as we meditate on God's Word, and it's going to transform us when it says God's glory. We're beholding the glory of the Lord. So, question, as you come to God's Word, what kind of things do you think you would be looking for? And it, as an example, would you look for, the, and we don't, these don't have to be separated completely, but just for talking about it, would you say, I'm looking for how I'm supposed to live, or I'm looking for who God is? <laughs> okay, so how would you? <laughs> well, so <clears throat> processing all of this stuff, when we have our focus on God mm -hmm. and who he is, then, you know, changing it from what would Jesus do to what did Jesus do, mm -hmm. then we are more apt, more likely to do those things. Mm -hmm. it, and so going back to the goals, when we have the goal to stay focused on Christ, we are more likely to actively pursue keeping him front and of center and then therefore better understand who he is, who we are, and how we should live in light of that truth. Mm -hmm. It's when we walk away from the mirror and are not looking at him and we're looking at ourselves or we're looking at others that we go astray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the character of God as we behold the glory of the Lord, that changes us. So as we know who God is better, that's going to make us do different things. And it doesn't mean that we're just going to think of the things. Scripture provides a good number of those things for us to follow. But if we leave out the piece of who God is, then we're not going to be motivated. You know, like, it's just going to be like the exercise thing. You know, I'm going to join the gym, and in five months, I'll be doing it the right way 20% of the time. You know, that 80% of falling off. That's how we naturally live. But that's why we have to keep coming back to God's Word. So hopefully, as you think about spending time in God's Word, that's an encouragement on the side of, well, I don't, maybe you don't have any trouble. Every day you're able to be in God's Word. You've never struggled with missing a day of that kind of thing or, or thinking about what God says, that kind of thing. But maybe there are days where you don't, where you lose focus or you, you don't think about how God wants you to live or who He is, or you don't spend time focused talking with Him. Well, if you don't do those things, remember what the goal is. The goal is to go back and behold who he is and be changed by that. And so you come back for being changed, not so that you can say, well, I followed all the right things, I lived the right way, but rather to say, this is who God is and I love him and so I'm going to want to live for him. And so as we look at God's word, we behold his glory, that's what changes us to want to follow what he says. 
we can certainly look at scripture and say, these are things I'm supposed to do. And if we follow all those examples, then we can, for a period of time, we can probably look pretty good on the outside. But if we actually behold God's glory, we come to his word to see who he is, that's going to change the way that we live for the long term because his spirit works in us. Uh, I'm just going to read. Do you usually finish around 1045? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to read one more verse then along these lines just as a, a parting encouragement. Um, but Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the way that we live in a way that's pleasing to God is by, as we are exposed to his word and the truth there, our minds are, we are transformed by our mind being renewed in his word. So the key thing is that our mind dwells on God's word, whether that's through reading our Bible or perhaps listening to it in some kind of audio format or listening to messages or remembering things that we've learned from God's word. Again, the key thing is that as we meditate and think on God's word, it changes us and transforms us so that it says, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. That as you think through what is right, you discern what you are supposed to do, what is good and acceptable and perfect, how we're supposed to live. And when it says, don't be conformed to this world, the idea is the way the world thinks. So if you are exposing yourself, even thinking about it from this perspective, you might say, well, I don't have any time to read my Bible, but I'm watching you know, 10 hours of television a day. And I'm using an extreme example. But then we would say, well, you're exposing yourself to the way that the world thinks. But here it says, don't be conformed to the world, be conformed to what, what God thinks. So maybe, in this stage of life, you're not spending 10 hours watching television. You might spend 15 minutes watching television, or no time watching television, just because you have so many things to care for. Uh, children, or other needs, or other family members, those kinds of things. But as you have time, you choose... What are you going to do? Are you going to be conformed to the thinking of the world or transformed by God's word being in your mind? So I think a key thing is, first of all, as we talked about at the beginning, we need to realize that we do have to put in effort. If we don't work to get God's word into our minds, then nothing's going to change. And then as we do that, the goal is that we have God's word in our mind and it's changing us. Not necessarily that we worked through a particular Bible reading plan in a year. Um, do that. If, if that's a way to, to keep yourself accountable, absolutely, I'd highly recommend having a plan of what you're going to read. But don't get discouraged if you miss a day. Remember that the key thing is that you're meditating on God's Word. So, I'll go ahead and close this in prayer, and then we'll uh, go to the next thing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word and the truths that are there. I thank you for the transforming power of your Spirit, how it works in us, and I ask that you would just help us this week and the coming weeks to be transformed as we hear your word that we would be changed by the truths that are there. In Christ's name, amen.